Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Katie. And you're listening to Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot. What you got today? Today? I, I said that real deep. You what you, got, what today? you got today? bro? <laughs> okay, Mason. Sorry. Like, a four-year-old calls me bruh. Bruh. You, you're not mom. You're I'm bruh now. Bruh. Yeah. Bruh. That's what he said. Bruh. I have a last-minute case that I decided on. It was very last like minute. two days ago. I had yeah. a whole other case that I was going to do, which I'm going to do it next. But for it, it's an old case. And it, it's it's a child. I'll go ahead and I'll just go ahead and let y'all know this week that you have two weeks to prepare. If you don't want to listen, I completely understand. It's a local case. It was a child. There was a law put in to place after this all happened with this kid. And I was going to do it. But the thing with it is there's more about the law out there on the Internet than there was about the individual case. I was only able to find one court document about the case period so i think i'm gonna have to go to the library and stuff so that it's, it's gonna take a little bit more in depth so i'm gonna go old school and go to yeah. the library <laughs> so i'm giving myself some more time on that case because i really want to do it justice because it's very important and it was a baby and it's of a course yeah. so i just kind of um picked a random case two days ago uh i was still topping it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've been sitting here playing candy crush and she's yeah. been finishing her episode up. finish it up because i'll just I just didn't feel ready to do the case that I originally wanted to do. Right. Because I want to do it the utmost justice that I can. Mm -hmm. So then I picked the Velisca Axe murders. Yes. I want to go to the house. I want to go. Okay. Which sounds morbid as all hell. But I want to go. I also want to go to Lizzie Borden house. Oh, yeah. I feel like one of us needs to do the Lizzie Borden case at some point. Oh, yeah. We will. I mean, that's such a classic. You gotta do it. Mm Mm-hmm. But I want to go to this house. I know that the two girls that Elena and Ashley mm-hmm. that do Morbid, they went to the Velisca Axe murders and they've covered this case. And obviously everything they do is wonderful and amazing. We love Morbid. And I freaking love Morbid. And they went and I think it was Elena that was talking about it's the heaviest she's ever felt in a place because they've gone to they've gone they've been in the Lizzie Borden house they stayed mm-hmm. the night in the Lizzie Borden house yeah that's where they recorded their episode for Lizzie Borden was in the house mm-hmm. and even that brutal of a murder they said that going in this house was so heavy could you imagine like I just kind of got chills just thinking about doing a case in the very place it happened no like sitting yeah. in Lizzie Borden's house and recording an episode about Lizzie Borden that, you, oh my god that you just, like, wouldn't catch me dad i think she did it sitting in her house no 
<laughs> no. No. Rave. No. She she would just be coming out the walls just mm-hmm. with her little axe, taking her wax. Like, I, no. Taking her well, wax? The, there's the song. I know, but you said, like, wax. Like, I don't know. For some reason, I automatically thought of W-A-X. Stop. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm referring to the song. I know. But you know she would if you're like, I think Lizzie did it. And you're sitting in her house. You know she's, you're next. She'd be like, bitch, say what? Exactly. <laughs> She'd just be walking through the walls. Just, excuse me? Yeah. I'll show you. You said what? <laughs> bitch, say what? Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so that's wild. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do want to go here, though. It's in Iowa, and I do want to go. And it's never, it's not, like, been lived in. Well, I hope to God not. But to Well, s- think of how many houses people have been, I mean, whole families and stuff have been massacred. You just live in a house. Like Amityville. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. But that brings us to the actual case. Yes. Sorry. <gasps> that was good. <laughs> so let's time travel to June 9th, 1912. This day was like every other Sunday evening in the Moore family. Joseph Moore who went by Joe and his wife, Sarah, had taken their four children to their Presbyterian church and dropped them off at the Child's Day service. Their four children ranged in age from 11 to 5 years old. Herman was the oldest at 11. Catherine was 10. Boyd was 7. And the youngest, Paul, who was 5. The children were accompanied by two of their friends, Ina Stillinger and Lena Stillinger. Ina was eight and Lena was 12. The two Stillinger sisters had. The what? The what? <laughs> the two Stillinger sisters had asked their parents if they could stay over at the Moore's house that night. The children recited their speeches at the end of the year school program and the service and mingling ended at around 9 30 p.m. They walked back to their house and they were home by about 10 o'clock. This would be the last time that the Moore family and the two Stillinger sisters would be seen alive. They walked three blocks back to the home. The family and friends ate some cookies and they washed it down with some milk. And then they all headed off to bed. So they just had a nice little evening. They'd gone to their Mm -hmm. church service for the kids and gave the kids some cookies and milk and then sent them to bed. Shortly after midnight, someone snuck into the home, armed with Joe's axe from their backyard, and hacked the Moores and Stillinger sisters to death while they slept. The Moore's neighbor, Mary Peckham, grew concerned about the family the next morning at around 7.30. Peckham knew that usually by that time there was stirring around the house, the sound of kids, but on the morning of June the 10th, 1912, there was nothing but silence coming from the home. Their neighbor, Mary, growing worried, decided to call Joe Moore's brother, Ross, who was a local druggist in Villisca, and Ross arrived at the home at around 8 a.m., Ross entered the home, and after a brief search of the main level and struggling to get in because the door was locked, he discovered two figures covered by a bloody sheet. Ross ran from inside the home and called Joe's hardware store. He told Ed Selly, an employee at the hardware store, to get Marshall Henry Horton immediately because something, quote, terrible had happened. Horton arrived within 30 minutes to the house. He searched the entire home. And when he exited the home, he saw Ross, and he said that he had found, quote, somebody murdered in every bed. I already have so much commentary, but keep going. Okay. I mean, anytime you you just butt in. I just immediately, two things stuck out to me. Immediately. Number one, two of them, I guess what they already observed was two people were covered with sheets, and the door was locked. Mm -hmm. 
So that just seems really personal to me. Mm-hmm. I, an axe, I told you an axe, the sheet, the, the them covering them up with a sheet. Usually that's, you know, like they don't want them to be seen. It gets kind of weird with the sheets here in a second. Okay. And then the door being locked. It's like, I would assume yeah. the killer locked the door. And but I mean, about the door, like it is reported differently, like on whether Ross went in or not. I saw more of he broke into the house than not. Some reports say that no one went into the home until um, Marshall Horton got there. Some reports say that more reports say that Joe's brother Ross went into the home. Right. Okay. So I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. This was 1912. Of course. So, of course. Small details like that. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah, it's just... But the door was locked. That's that's in everything. mm -hmm. The axe was found leaning against the south wall of the downstairs bedroom where the Steelinger sisters were found. And the axe had been partially cleaned off. The perpetrator left two very strange clues inside the home. They had covered all of the mirrors in the home with pieces of clothing that they had found in the Moore's dressers. As well as a four-pound slab of pig meat leaned up against the wall next to the axe. On the table in the kitchen, there was an untouched plate of food and a bowl with bloody water inside. The house keys had been taken by the murderer and they had locked the door behind them when they left after they murdered the entire family. Hmm. Which to me is so weird. The mirror thing makes me think that like, Whoever did this covered the mirrors because they didn't want to, like, look at themselves. It was like a guilt thing, right? Yeah, they didn't want to see themselves. I I thought either... This is personal. Yes. I'll try it. This is personal. I thought either a guilt thing Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's 1912. Right. So, everyone is very religious. A lot of things were based off of, you know, stories and... Superstition. Right. Superstition. Wives' tales. You know, a lot of that was seen as, like, fact back in the day. Yeah. So I feel like a culmination of all that could either have been guilt mm-hmm. or it was like a superstition thing. Like, I have to cover the mirrors for, set, like, it's a portal to hell. A lot of people do think that it's a portal to, like... True. True. So I was like, I, it could have been, you know, guilt or some that's, weird religious superstition. That's a solid point. Yeah. So it was just but weird. Yeah, my first thought was... It's weird either way. I was, my first thought was, this motherfucker did not want to look at himself. Exactly. Or I would, I would assume yeah. it was a man, but he they didn't want to look at themselves. Yeah. So, I and assume it's a man, but we just got through talking about Lizzie Borden, so whatever. Yeah, but. so, who knows? <laughs> who knows? It's just so, and it's weird, too, that they locked the door. I'm like, you killed everyone, and you locked them in as, like, a, either you did it as to make it harder for someone to get in, but, like, someone's going to get in the house either way. Yeah. So, it doesn't matter if you locked or kept the door unlocked. Like, it doesn't matter. People mm-hmm. are, you're going to get in the house. Right. To me, it just felt like they did it as, like, a safeguard. Like, it was personal, and they were like, well, I need to keep them safe, so when I leave, I should lock the door behind me. Like, that's just weird. What was the point of locking the door behind you? You just murdered every single soul in that house. Mm -hmm. What's the point? Unless it was just, like... Like, for me, locking a door is just second nature. But back then, it wasn't. But Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, it wasn't then. It wasn't. I mean, that didn't really become a thing until, like, the 90s. I wouldn't even think twice to lock a door. No, but back (laughs) then, it was, you know, people would sleep with their front doors wide open. Yeah. I mean, windows open all night. There was, you know, no air conditioning and stuff. So, windows were open. Doors were Mm -hmm. open, you know. So, it was just weird. That's weird. Yeah, it is. And the meat. Why? Are you saying that they're nothing but pigs to you? Like... 
here's a slab of pig meat that I cut up with an axe. Here's the family. Yeah, that, same thing that's to the me. thing that I feel like just not the oddest thing. Like the whole thing is odd and that the the pig meat just doesn't it doesn't go with the fl- no flow of things. To I me, guess the only way that I could read into the that lack, was lack like here's what I see them as. Right. Yeah. This is all that they are to mm-hmm. me. Interesting. So it's just all weird. Mm-hmm. The bowl of water. I think that that was just they probably washed their hands and maybe that's what they wiped the axe off in because mm-hmm. they didn't clean it completely. So I think that's all that was. But why'd you leave it? I, I don't know. I, I mean, don't there know. wasn't DNA in 1912, so. Yep. The Moors and the two Stillinger sisters were found in their beds with their heads covered by sheets, blankets, or the children were found with their faces covered with clothes. But the parents, it was a sheet or a blanket. Each victim had had their skull shrunk. 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 <laughs> their skull shrunk. Oh, my God. <laughs> English. I cannot speak it. Each victim had had their skulls struck 20 to 30 times each with the blunt side of the axe. See, I'm going to say this again. Personal. Very. 20 to 30 times and then with the blunt side. And that's... Personal. Imagine swinging. This is eight people. You swung that axe on each individual between 20 and 30 times with the back side. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. I, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. For yep. just, I'm going to go in and kill some random people. That's too much. No, this was... Uh, Absolutely personal. It was. I'm, I'm just going to call it now. It was personal. It was personal. The ceilings above the victims had indention marks from the upswing of the axe. Police determined that the more parents had been murdered first, then their children, and lastly, the Stillinger sisters downstairs in the guest bedroom. The faces of all the victims were beaten in so badly that detectives said that they just looked like piles of meat on the Mm. beds. So imagine what you see in the meat section at the grocery store, just some ground meat. I don't, I don't want to, is what they were equalized to. Mm -hmm. That is horrific. Oh my God. That's the gentlest way to put it. Yeah, it is. 12 year old Lena Stillinger had been left exposed by the killer. Her nightgown had been pulled up over her, but there were no signs of sexual assault. She also had blood on her knee and a defense wound on her arm where she had tried to cover her face mm-hmm. during one of the swings from the axe. And as I told you yesterday, reading that part just made my stomach turn. Yeah, because I guess the defensive wound was a huge slice to her arm. Yeah. Yeah. Or if it's the back side of the axe, I mean, that probably broke her arm. Yeah. I, hmm. Hmm. Oh, that's so. Hmm. Yeah. When detectives had finished their search of the home and cleared the home, hundreds of townspeople made their way inside the house. Again? Like it was a freaking museum. And I say again because... They did it in Hinterkaufeck. Hinterkaufeck. It was just like a thing back then. That blows my mind. It gets real weird. Did someone make a sandwich again? Mm Mm-mm. One person even took it upon themselves to take a piece of Joe Moore's skull that was left on the bed and took it home with him as a keepsake. Katie, be so fucking for real right now. <laughs> yeah. Be yeah. so fucking for real yeah. right now. I, mm-hmm. 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 Soak it in. Soak it in. I, yeah. This uh, man was literally just murdered, and his kids, and his kids' friends, who were just staying the night at a sleepover. Mm-hmm. Someone from the town, who probably has known this man for a long time, walked in the house and said, oh, I'm gonna take that. I know that's part of his head that just was beaten in brutally, by some heinous killer out here, some crazed psychopath, but I'm gonna take that home. 
What was your train of thought, my guy? What? What? <laughs> I, literally no words. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that's suspicious. Uh-huh. No, but just imagine like you're... I mean, I know that back then, the world was not as readily available. Okay, no, and no, this was it. like walking through a museum for these people. Okay. I get it. But just imagine you're like great, great grandkids or, you know, whoever going through Pappy's stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And they open a little trinket box and there lies someone's, like a piece of someone's skull. Mm hmm. No. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's like, well, yeah, I walked through a house of this gruesome murder and I just took that skull. I just took it. No. No. Mm-mm. No. A funeral procession was held for the Moors and the Steelinger sisters on June the 12th, 1912, and the entire town, plus hundreds of people from other towns, were in attendance. There was over a thousand people at the funeral. The bodies nor the caskets were shown during the funeral or the procession, and they were all taken to and buried in the Velisca Cemetery. I get the, like, not having an open casket, obviously. But why not show the caskets at all, I wonder? I don't know. I would say that was probably just a family choice. Probably, yeah. Bloodhounds were brought in by the police to search the house and the surrounding area hours after the initial detective work had begun. Detectives had little faith in catching the killer as they would have had a four to five hour head start on getting out of town. On top of that, any clues that could have been found after the initial search were all but diminished due to the hundreds of people walking through after they got the bodies out. So once the town decided to turn it into a museum, that was pretty much kaput for the investigation. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone literally took a piece of the skull. So what else did you take? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, a handful of suspects were named after the murder. The first man named was Frank Jones. He was a local businessman of Liska who was in like a sort of competition with Joe Moore. Joe Moore had been an employee of Frank Jones's for around seven years until Joe decided to leave Jones's employment and he started his own hardware store. There was also a rumor around Velisca that Joe Moore was having an affair with Jones's daughter-in-law, which kind of thickened their hatred for one another. Right. But there was never any proof given for the affair, so... They don't know if that was just something that got started after uh, the murder or if that really was true. No one in the town thought that the two men hated each other to the point of a full family slaying. So detectives kind of just wrote Frank Jones off. The second suspect named and my personal number one guy was Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly. As far as I know, I'm not related to this man. Okay. Okay. I am related to Machine Gun Kelly, and no, not the one that's alive today. The one that was, like, in the mafia. Oh, okay. Who went to... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I am related to that one. You know, went around and just shot people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That guy. (laughs) Kelly left Villisca at 5.19 a.m. the morning of the murders. He left on the train, number five, that was westbound. While on the train, he allegedly told other travelers on board... That there were, quote, eight dead souls in Villisca, Iowa, butchered in their beds while they slept. He said all of this, even though the family had not been discovered yet. Well, there you go. Remember, the neighbor, Mary Peckham, didn't notice anything or Mm -hmm. call anyone 
until 7.30 and no one got to the home and went inside until around 8. Right. So he said this between 5 and 6 a.m. So was he like a reverend at a local church? I'm going to get into him. Okay. Okay. I'm going to get into him. Okay. He's a little character. (laughs) Reverend Kelly was in Villisca the first time on the morning before the murders. He watched the two Stillinger sisters perform a speech together that day at that child care service thing and then left that next morning at 5:19 shortly after the murders cuz it happened around midnight and that that would have taken some time mm-hmm. to they they think that he went in around midnight that would have taken a couple hours i would yeah. say yeah to do all that kelly returned 2 weeks later and posed as a detective kelly joined in a tour of the house with a group of investigators you know what i'm about to say go ahead you know what i'm about to Just say please say it Usually the killer will insert themselves into an investigation, whether that is a search party, it's calling detectives, it's And back then, you could get away with being a detective. Yeah, and they probably, you know, hadn't picked up on that yet, maybe, I don't know, but it is widely known that a killer will usually insert themselves. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's us. Most definitely. <laughs> that's weird. And that's probably not the first time you'll, or the last time you'll ever hear me say that. Nope. Because it happens quite often. Often. Mm-hmm. That's why when someone mysteriously dies or is murdered, you will find police officers at search. Like, obviously, they're going to be at search parties. But mm-hmm. you'll see the detectives. At, like, usually, vigils and stuff. They'll be there at the There will be funerals. a detective or two there. They'll be at the funerals. They'll be, you know, at the vigils. Um, stuff like that. They know people. Mm-hmm. Killers show up. Yep. Yep. So a little background on Reverend Kelly here. Kelly had had a mental breakdown as a child and was institutionalized for just, just a little bit. He immigrated with his wife to America in 1904, and he had preached at Methodist churches in North Dakota, Minnesota, Kansas, and in Iowa. He had gotten a job preaching in a small church in Villisca. There... The townspeople that first day noted some strange behavior. They were like, he's weird. At one point in Reverend Kelly's life, he had also been found guilty of sending obscene mail. And after this conviction, he spent some time in a mental hospital. So he's not all there. Okay. Obscene mail. I I don't know. Like, I, you can't, like, take pictures back then. You know what I mean? Right. So that's all that it says. It just says obscene mail. So, okay. We leave that up to the imagination. I don't know what was going on in 1912. I don't know what little Reverend Kelly was doing, but... Okay. Lights are on. Nobody's home. Obviously. Okay. Mm -hmm. A grand jury indicted Kelly for Lena Stillinger's murder, and he went through several hours over a period of days throughout the summer of 1917 being questioned by detectives, and he awaited trial while he was in jail. So it took him a few years, and through a whole summer, he's getting questioned by detectives yes yes he mm, he was convicted for for lena's murder for lena's okay so i'm not a detective or a police officer or anything like that i'm just an armchair detective right like i just right. i just be researching from the comfort of my home usually and i, I just saying like usually like one would think that whoever killed one of them had something to do with the rest of them right but that's just me maybe i'm just right right i mean 
not just like throw this out there, but I mean, the two Stillinger sisters were sleeping in the same bed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to mention they were all killed in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. In the exact same house. Mm-hmm. Her sister in the exact same bed yeah. was killed the exact same way. And he was... Was Lena the one that was exposed? Yes. Okay. So that's a thing. That makes that makes zero sense. To I me. know. I know. Just wait for the acquittal. I just go. Yeah. God. Keep okay. in mind this un- this is an unsolved case. It's not. It's never unsolved. Okay. On August the thirty first, at around seven a.m., Kelly signed a confession to the murder of Lena, saying, "Quote: God whispered to him to suffer the children to come unto me." Oh, shut the fuck up! I, right. Lights are on, flickering. No one's home. Mm-hmm. He then recanted his confession at the trial, and his case went to the jury on September the 26th. The jury deadlocked 11 to 1 for acquittal. Mm. A second jury was put together, but they acquitted him in November. No one else has ever been tried for the murders. And like I said, it's still unsolved. And that's it. That's it. That's what we got. That's it. Did they say why he recanted his statement? No. He just did. I guess God took it back. Right. Okay, so it's unsolved, but... there's a, There was a documentary that came out not too long ago about it. Mm-hmm. I think it was on um, Hulu. Oh, I gotta watch this. Um, There's quite a few, because okay. this, is, this is big stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of it, but... I didn't really, like, know much about it. And, like, it. here just a, you know, a few years ago, it was, like, the 100-year anniversary, and mm-hmm. which now it's been 110 years. Mm-hmm. Soon to be. So, I think it's safe that I could probably give, like, just my theory on what happened. Yeah. I think, I, I think you're safe if yeah, you're hurting anybody's feelings yeah. or anything. <laughs> yeah. like. So, my theory is that he, obviously, there was some, some stuff going on with this man, but he saw those girls singing that song or whatever. He got obsessed, or if he wasn't already obsessed, and especially with Lena, mm-hmm. right? Because she was the one that was exposed. That's why I'm saying that. And something just came unhinged. Became un- he became unhinged, and he murdered that entire that entire house. But for it, to, what's weird to me is like if it was an obsession with Lena, mm-hmm. like first of all, why didn't you just get her? Which sounds so shitty to say out loud, but that is, I feel like, a very reasonable question. Okay, but. But also, but like, recently we've had something like this happen. Right. Koberger or whatever his right. name is. Yeah. Who, you know, still waiting his trial. Right. You know. But it is said that he was just obsessed with one of them. With one of them. And he killed almost all. All. Except two right. in that house. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a case I want to do eventually. Right. When we'll the probably do that work like after trials. Yeah. Um, but and then I so, also so so that so that makes me think that like with the Idaho murders, I heard a theory that the reason why he left those last two alive was because he got to his intended victim. Right. Right. So he went through the entire house killing until he got to what he wanted. Right. So could that have been the same thing? He just the last people he got to the last person he got to was Lena. Here's my thing with that. Okay. Is if it was, a, that's what I was going to say. If it was a thing with Lena, mm-hmm. first of all, why go start with the parents? And I say this because he passed the room that they were in first. 
it is speculated that mm. whoever did this went around the house and covered it, all the mirrors up first before they did any of the killing. So, so everyone was asleep. Everyone was asleep. And he was going around. Yes. And neighbors say that they never heard anything. So my, so if it was an obsession with Lena to me, I'm like, you knew which room she was in, yet you killed the Stillinger sisters last. They were on the main floor. Okay. You would have seen them first, but you still went upstairs and killed the parents first, then the more children, then the Stillinger sisters, then you left. The only thing I could think of killing the parents first is to get them out of the way. True. But then why go to but, the more kids? Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah. I mean. I, who knows? I mean, we're not in the killer's head, right? But right. This is all speculation. I mean, it could have been a thing. I mean, if they were obsessed, it also could have been a thing with the killer, like saving the best for last type of situation they're like i'm obsessed with her so i'll gonna, save her for last right or maybe it's because there's so many people in that house right if they heard something they could over they like the bunch of them could overtake yeah. him not or and it's or that one of me. them could one of them could get out and go send for help or, right. or whatever you know like who like knows? It, it's wild to me that no one heard anything mm -hmm. like at all no one right. heard any screams, period. Mm -hmm. Neighbors right across the street heard nothing. Because you would think, like, if if both girls were in the bed together, like, one of them got hit first, maybe they just didn't yeah. realize it. The parents in the same bed. Yeah. Like, and nobody? No one, no one got a chance to scream. Nobody? Who's to say they would have been hurt if they had Lena screamed? Lena has but. defense had a defensive wound, you know? True. Like, she was mm -hmm. struck in the arm trying to cover her face. Like, yeah. Nobody heard anything, mm -hmm. which is weird to me. This yeah, is weird. that is that's weird. But at the same time, like he probably didn't give him much of a chance to right to I mean, either or to run or whatever. She would have probably had the best chance because she was the only one who had a defensive wound. Yeah, she would have had the best chance because one blow to the head and it's over. Oh yeah, With so especially like the back side of mm -hmm. an axe. I mean, axes are not some lightweight farm equipment. I no. mean, they're not. So, yeah, that's that's wild. I I definitely think cuz I was going into this, the the little that I knew about the case. I was going into this thinking the Cylinder sisters were at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. But maybe that family was mm -hmm. at the wrong place and at the wrong time and the Cylinder sisters just happened. Right. Lena just happened to be there. If yeah. she was the intended Main it does make you feel that way, though, because she was the only one left exposed. Mm -hmm. She was the only one who had any time to defend herself. And and I say that, too, which makes it feel like he a confessed more to her. Right. You know, and it, it makes it the fact that she had time to have a defensive because if you're just laying in your bed asleep and somebody sneaks in and whacks you in the face with, you know, the back of an axe, you're not going to wake up from that. You no. know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they were beaten so badly. Like I said, the detectives equalized their image after their murder to piles of meat mm -hmm. you know you get hit one good time it's going to probably crush your face in i mean your yeah. skull is going to be crushed in you're not going to wake up and fight from that so the fact that lena was the only one who had defensive wounds she was the only one left exposed and he admitted to even and though he, he recanted. you know then admitted and then recanted but that just tells me that her murder was a more prolonged situation mm -hmm. than everyone else's in the home yeah because she had the time to fight back yeah so while, yes, it's unsolved, I definitely, I think he did it. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. I think it also it, it has been theorized, though, because there were, in some neighboring states, there mm -hmm. were some axe murders of families. Right. 
not quite the same, but still they were axe murders of entire mm-hmm. families that were all kind of happening in this one kind like of a area. five to ten year period in okay. these nearby states. So it's been theorized that maybe it was a serial killer, but none of the murders were ever exact, strange, no mm-hmm. mirrors covered up in any of these others. It was simply these were axe murders of entire families. And that's very like covering them and you know what we were just talking to about how covering the mirrors up was probably maybe something like superstitious or religious. Mm. He's a freaking reverend, right? Yeah, right. I mean, he's listen, Reverend Kelly. He's my number one suspect. Like, absolutely. You know the little board like on Dance Moms that mm-hmm. what's her bitch used to do when yeah. she tortured them poor kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> the, my pyramid, the pyramid. He's number one. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. number one. And yeah. that poor Frank Jones dude, I don't think I don't think he had anything to do with it. No, like I did. I he just, have like motive, sure, kind sure, of, but I don't. But not, I, don't th- I don't think he did it. Like mm-hmm. he wouldn't even make it on the pyramid. <laughs> he wouldn't even be on the pyramid. <laughs> There's only one person on my pyramid for this. Frank. I mean, not Frank. Shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Reverend Kelly. <laughs> yes, the Reverend Kelly. Whatever his whole what his he had like an obnoxiously long name. Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly. Yeah, that motherfucker. Like, no yeah. wonder you had a mental breakdown. Your name <laughs> sucks. <laughs> so, uh, and then just him talking about it before. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. things aren't looking looking good, my guy. Yeah. Just not. So that's a that's a roller coaster of a case, though. It's it's wild. Yeah, that is wild. If you want to know any more about it, there's been people go ghost hunting in the Villisca, um Axe Murder House all the time. Um, so there's that. We're about to go on, after we get down to this episode, we're about to go in here, and I'm going to look up stuff. Yeah. Because I want to uh, see this house. I know you're going to probably post pictures. It's just, yeah, I am. It's just like this, I mean, it is like this cute little white farmhouse. Mm-hmm. There's well, all kinds, they have an official website because they do do tours and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. Um, there's all kinds of documentaries, docu-series, mm-hmm. YouTube videos where people covered it ghost hunters going in there because they say there's a lot of activity they say there's a lot of child activity in this house yeah. with ghosts which i'm like i get it mm-hmm. i can see that yeah so i really want to go and then they also did a like fictional horror film in 2017 that was on netflix called the axe murders of Velisca. so they did that i've never watched that but okay mm. all right so yeah well yeah go check all that out yeah and Check us out on Facebook and Instagram so you can look at these photos. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. are enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. <laughs> please subscribe. Please subscribe. Yes. And rate please us. subscribe and follow. Yes. Subscribe and follow so you don't miss out on an episode. Rate us. Give us five stars, please. And thank you. We appreciate everyone listening. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. We'd like to thank Mikey Kinley for audio and editing. And our friend Avalyn Yulaberry for our cover art. Make sure to like and follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Our Instagram is M3Podcast. And you can find us on Facebook under the name of our podcast, which is Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot. (laughs) 